that. I know we still have a number of people joining us online, and we're glad that you're with us. Uh, and I'm glad you're all here. It is good to be together always uh, as a body of Christ with Jesus at our center. Um, what's appropriate is the title of my my sermon, and and what's appropriate? I, I need to start here. I, I just want to be honest with you. When I was younger, I was raised in the church, but when I was younger, church was not exactly something I was excited or looking forward to. Matter of fact, it was, it was kind of a pain, and it's for this one, one reason. It's, it, it was what was appropriate. And, and maybe some of you already realized what I'm going to say. I enjoyed, or I was most comfortable in jeans, t-shirt, and tennis shoes. Jeans, t-shirt, and tennis shoes. But my mom went out and purchased Sunday clothing. It's not clothes I would wear to school, even. I had Sunday clothes, and it didn't include jeans, T-shirt, and tennis shoes. So there was a period of time, I think as I got older, that I just began to let her know, I'm not real comfortable in this. And I would be immediately sent to my room to go put on my slacks, my nice shoes, and and a nice shirt. And, And so... I, you know, I, I was thrilled about, you know, graduating high school and being able to go out on my own because now I could wear whatever I want to. And then I got married, right? I got married. My, my wife is nice about it. And guys, tell me if you're familiar with this or not. Uh, it, it's that phrase that says, is that what you're going to wear? Which early on you begin to understand is, no, this is just the uh, in-between stage before I put what I really intended to put on. You know, so, uh, yeah, and, and, and for mom that was always, there is no way you're wearing that, go change. And it was the same thing. It really is the same thing. Anyway, this idea of what's appropriate is, is actually addressed in this passage today. What's appropriate? Uh, the Corinthians, uh, Corinthians uh, again had to produce some kind of a question that Paul is addressing. And, and I believe that as you read this, you're thinking, hey, this is coming from the ladies. It, this, this is coming like a question that the ladies is producing. And, and the question is something like this. Uh, must we wear a head covering while we're involved at church? Something like that, in that order. I don't know whether, it, it, it is a guess according to how Paul is dealing with this issue. The issue is wearing women wearing something while they're uh, praying and prophesying in church. I, I'll, I'm going to address this right now. The issue wasn't that the women were praying and prophesying in church. The, the, the issue was, were you wearing something on your head when you were doing it? So it wasn't to say, hey, women, you need to be quiet. I've heard that in Scripture. Women, you need to be quiet off to the side. No. Women were involved in praying and prophesying. And, and they just needed to have something on their head, or, or that, that's what it was. Matter of fact, this is not a biblical precedent. This is not a, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not something that, that it's mandated by the scriptures. This is the way you're going to do it. It really was a cultural thing. It was a cultural thing. It wasn't amongst the Greek ladies. The Greek ladies, again, I think Christianity is what opened the door for women uh, to be appreciated. And, and, and even that sense of uh, equality, not to be in the home. The Greeks at that time, man, the women were in the home. And, and uh, I, I believe it's women from Palestine, from that area of Palestine, 
uh, southern Rome and, and Asia are said that they brought that custom into this area. Of course, the melting pot, uh, a lot of different people come together. And then socially, it became a norm. That, that women would cover their hairs. And in church, it was appropriate for women to have something on their head, especially when they're involved in a worship service. This is not an easy text. So you might have a lot of questions for me, and that is great. I would love to talk to you and show you the many directions that a lot of commentators go in, which is a lot of fun for me, you know. I, I do think that there's some significant things that come from this text I want to share with you today. And, and I, I, I don't enjoy going through difficult texts, but by the time it's done, I hope we have a good understanding. Because if, if it's in God's Word, it is important. Okay? We'll, just, we'll start with that basis. Let me read for you how Paul responds uh, to this issue. 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16, Paul begins with, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. I'm going to make a comment here for verse 2. Paul hasn't been exactly Mr. Positive throughout the Corinthians. Are, are you with me? If you've been going through this, you've been reading, there's not been a lot that, that Paul is saying, hey, I'm really appreciating this about you. And in a way, you kind of think, well, Paul doesn't, uh, they're, they're, he's looking for something or even grasping for something to appreciate them by. He says they are conducting themselves with a n- number of traditions. And especially from this point and what we're going to see forward, not only the issue today, is Paul is, say, is saying you are following these traditions, but there's some things that we absolutely need to correct about them. So keep that in mind. Paul is, is like that positive teacher. said, well, I'm looking for something. but Here's something that's positive. But here's some things that need to be corrected as we read through this. Okay, verse 3 really begins this issue. Paul says, But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of, of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her head cut off, or her hair, excuse me. Yeah, don't take that with you, okay? That was just a reading blunder. Okay, her hair cut off. <laughs> But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason... That a woman ought to have authority over her, own, over her own head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, excuse me, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Judge 
for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has, uh, has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. I want to now address verse 16 before we dive into the the main part of this. Where where does Paul ever say, if if, uh, some of you want to be contentious about this, we we have no other practice. Right? Paul, Paul never does. I, I believe in everything that we've come to that Paul is answering, it was really impassioned. It was really matter of fact. I mean, just take, take uh, food sacrifice idols. I mean, it came down to the point is you can't be involved in this because it really, the food sacrifice to idols isn't to gods, it's to demons. And, and it is very, very much an instruction Uh, This is what you need to do, or this is what you don't need to be a part of. Very very matter of fact, but then at the end of this, he comes to the place of saying, man, if you want to be contentious about this, hey, this is the way things are. Paul never, uh, so this is an unusual passage, and I think it's because this is a cultural thing and not a biblical precedent. Matter of fact, Paul, Paul also includes and says, hey, all the other churches are doing this as well. That's what you're bucking up against. So if you want to be contentious about this, you know, cause problems. And, and that's what, what's going to happen. As, as I approach this, as I read through it and, 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 and thought about this, there, there is something that I, I, I think precedes, you know, especially when we are presenting ourselves or we're moving towards, you know, what is appropriate. I think Jesus laid down a principle that, that's not brought out in this text. I'll make it clear. It's not brought out in this text, but you see evidence of it. There's two concerns, loving God and loving others. Are you familiar with that? The two laws that are actually laid out for everybody. When it, when it comes to our lives, these two laws rule. It is about loving God and loving others. And I think that that's also, also very much could be uh, applied to what is appropriate. So uh, the, the very theme that I'm working from is what's appropriate is found in respect and honor for God and others. Respecting and looking to honor others. Being concerned about what God thinks and being concerned about others. Not, not hurting, not offending uh, but encouraging and building up is what we ought to be doing. So here's some keys to living what is appropriate. Uh, first of all, do not be dishonoring to others. Do not be dishonoring to others. I, I believe that's the direction that we could see Paul going here. Again, this text, you could ask me questions and where did you find this and things like that. I, I, I really encourage you to do that. But, but as it opens up, especially in verse 3, here's the direction that Paul begins in. He says, He said, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And the question all the commentators dealt with was, okay, what does head mean? What does this metaphor uh, mean? What what is he talking about? And and even as I approached it 
In my own thinking, I'm thinking authority. We're familiar with that, aren't we? The one who's the head, he's, he's in charge. He's, he's the authority. But, but in this context, within the context of what we read in the rest of the passage, we're, which we're going to see as we go along uh, and identify, there's another part that head refers to, and it is source. Source. Christ is the source of, of, of man. Well, partly we say definitely in creation, but also in redemption. And, and woman is the source, uh, uh, man is the source of woman. Uh, and, and, that, and that thinking is, is the way things are, the, the creation of things. It was through man that woman was created. Took the rib from the man and, and formed, formed the woman. And then, finally, the source of Christ is God. Matter of fact, God is the source of all things. And he actually says that again later in the passage. We're going to see just the, the support for that as we go on. But I'm going to move on forward. Because part of the question is, why do you think the ladies are asking this question? Why, why do we need to cover our heads? Why is, it we, you know, why is it when we're in church, do we need to be covering our heads? I mean, we don't do it today, right? How many of you ladies are thankful we're not covering your heads? Yeah, I appreciate that. Right? It's like wearing a mask. Oops. Anyway, um, now the, th- the thing is, uh, th- there, there's really two thoughts that I thought were, were pretty, pretty good that, that came into this. Uh, number one was all about the hairdo. I, I think that's pretty important. To ladies, the hairdo is pretty significant. A- any ladies wake up this morning and just kind of, well, it's okay, and come on without doing something to your hair? Yeah? A matter of fact, e- even times, and I got short hair, sometimes I wake up, and the quickest thing to do is put the cap on because, you know, it never, not everything's in place, and... Boy, I get real concerned about that, so I put a cap on and go. Uh, during this time, you know, predominantly, ladies during this time would, would braid or, or bring together the quickest form. Matter of fact, the cheapest form of putting your hair is to, is to put it up, bundle it up. So buns or, or in braids was, was pretty, uh, pretty common amongst all the ladies. Now, those who were wealthy... Those who were higher classed, uh, they, they were, you know, they, they did more with their hair. And, and, and they would let it down. And they would fix it up. Because, well, number one, because they could afford it. They could spend the time as well in fixing up their hair. And so one thought was, I, I need to cover this, you know, that idea. Do you understand what that you know, do I need to cover that? I'd spend all this time preparing. Do I need to cover this? Which would be a very kind of a self-centered thing. Which would kind of go along with what problem we've had with some of the Corinthians throughout. And that's been freedom. The question of freedom. Well, if we're free, why do I need to wear a head? head you know, why do I have to cover my head? If we're free, uh, should I just be able to do whatever? So there is that thought. And, and in that thought alone, I mean, we could, we could see how that could be, uh, be applied today. Well, ladies, you need to start wearing headgear, yeah, or, or something on your head. And that's not right because the culture is different today. Matter of fact, in our culture, uh, the, the big problem with ladies who wouldn't cover their hair was, was this. It, it identified a lady who was married. 
it identified a, a, you know, a woman without something covering their hair. She could be seen as an adulteress or someone who is flirting or, or, or someone who is very loose uh, uh, amongst the community. Therefore, having their head covered was important. And, and, and if they didn't, it was an insult to her husband. It was an offense to her husband, uh, you might say, to her head. It, it, it was dishonoring of not only husband, but, but to family as well. There's also the sense of, of uh, well, I, I should also say that virgins and prostitutes were those who would not cover their head because they were trying to attract men during that time. Now, we put that into, I, I mean, how do we translate or even think about head coverings? Today, we don't have the head coverings, but there's other ways that, that we could be dishonoring of our husbands. That, that could be uh, wearing seductive clothing. You know, a blouse that is revealing or a, a skirt that's seductive. Something like that could be, uh, would be offensive to a husband to think, well, who are you trying to attract? Does that make sense? Dishonoring? I mean, the same thing could be, you know, a, a husband could be very dishonoring to a wife if they're known to be just very flirtatious. It, I mean, wouldn't you hate that? And maybe even right in front of your face, they're touching and speaking words that, that you know, shouldn't happen unless you're out looking for a woman. It, it, it's just an insult. It is dishonoring. So that's one of the predominant thinking. But I especially appreciate maybe this next distinction, which I think goes along with the Scripture. And it's this idea of not identifying as a female. It was the females when they were praying and prophesying that they were covering their heads. And, and the reason you think this, you know, is it possible that these ladies were seeing and understanding much of what Paul was teaching? It's written in Corinthians, it's written in Colossians, it's written again in Galatians, and especially the way it's written in Galatians, this is part of uh, Paul's teaching. He comes along and says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, he says, there is neither Jew nor, uh, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Understand what Paul is saying is all these divisions, all these barriers are broken down, and we're all one in Jesus. So that, that's been a predominant message by Paul all along. So could you imagine that the ladies in the congregation says, hey, listen, there's no longer any barriers. There's no longer any separation. Why is it I have to do something different from men? Why can't we just go without? Could you possibly hear that, thinking from that interpretation? Was Paul saying that? Matter of fact, the way he deals with it is, hey, just go ahead and cut your hair off. If you're not going to put something on your head, cut it off. You know, remove that and then just remove your hair, which no one is going to do because your hair is your glory. Your hair is significant. Your hair is significant. And, and he knew, that was a rhetorical thing, no lady, none, none of these ladies he responded to is going to cut all their hair off. Why? Because you absolute, absolutely lose, especially for them, it was most noticeable, that's what makes you a lady. That's what makes you feminine is your hair. 
And, and Paul didn't want them to lose their femininity. You see, I think, I think of this, Paul. Paul is saying, yes, there's no division in Christ, but yet do not miss with the distinction between male and female. Now, don't mess with that. Don't mess with it. And, and, and matter of fact, I think Paul, as he gets to the end, addresses that again. In between, Paul comes to this place. And I put on here, do not be a distraction to others, because this is one of the possibilities. And I think that it connects with that idea of loving God and loving others. Uh, first of all, Paul comes in here, and, and, and matter of fact, would answer, well, why shouldn't I wear something on my head? And, and, and Paul would come along and say, well, let's see, because Adam was created first and then came Eve. Therefore, ladies, don't wear anything on your head. And you go, what? <laughs> it, it really, Paul deals with creation order. But he says it like this. A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And one of the commentators that, that I was reading said, you know, brought out the point of woman is the glory of man. What does that mean? What, is, what does that mean? He pointed out Genesis chapter 2, 22 and 24 when woman was created. I, let me ask you this, guys only. Do, do, you, do you understand what it means that she is glorious? <laughs> uh, you guys ought to, if you're sitting next to your lady, you ought to be saying, oh, yeah. I mean, that was your opportunity. You lost it. But anyway, the, here, here, Genesis chapter 2, verses uh, 22 through 24. Here's, here's where woman was created. Adam was created. He's looking through all the animals, and, and no suitable helpmate was found for him. And so God said, who's been saying everything's been good so far, sees this and says, this is not good, that man is alone. And so he puts him to sleep, removes a rib, and then we pick it up in 22. He says, then the Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. That's, that's why he continues to say that, that she is the glory of man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. I, ladies are special. I can't help but imagine Adam's reaction when he beheld a woman for the first time and named her woman. Identified her as woman. And, and he said, she's worth leaving mom and dad for kind of thing valued and then I go back to that first part and think if if she so happens to be presenting herself as unfaithful if she so happens to be presenting herself as as a, a seductress or a temptress you know what uh, it, it is only a distraction Paul has already dealt with this Paul has already dealt with this in chapter 8 saying you know you should not be uh, uh, someone who, who causes a stumbling. Uh, you shouldn't be one who causes someone to stumble in their, in their sin. And that was, uh, uh, you know, one, one of the thoughts that was brought out. But even more so, I, 
especially when it comes along and says, hey, men need to wear, not wear anything, and then women, it doesn't say that she needs to wear something. And there it says, he really talks, I really believe he's talking to the ladies. You can't, some, I, I can't imagine some preachers just miss verse 10. Some preachers miss, I, I, I can't miss it. Here's, here's what it says in verse 10. Verse 10, it is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head. This has been a difficult text. I'll say it again. This has been a difficult text to understand. What is Paul saying? And then he says, because of the angels. Oh, wow, I went through all kinds of things, of of thoughts, and and trying to understand that, because angels are spread out everywhere. I mean, the activities, thoughts, I mean, angels could be sinful, and there's some waiting their punishment, and and some were involved with women in, in the Old Testament. But in context of the Corinthians, what has been said Early on, like the first chapter, it mentions angels as sitting and being part of our worship service. Angels are there. They're present. And, and also later on, Paul mentions that uh, about the authority of humanity, that, that we are going to judge angels, including our ladies. You're going to be a part of judging angels. And, and he comes along and he says, hey, listen, this, this authority is... is yeah, it's your authority. It's your authority. I, I can't help but think that Paul is making an appeal here for you to make a decision. And he gives them enough to say, you need to make a right decision. I, I know on one side, again, there's this freedom idea that, that I should be able to do what I want to do. But that's never been a good idea before Paul without thinking of others, without thinking of God. I especially, uh, listen, again, this idea of source, I think, really comes in verses 10 and 11. It says, it is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her head. Uh, Verse 11 says, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Our ultimate source our ultimate source. Yeah, barriers have been torn down because of Jesus. Absolutely. I talked to Matthew about this, but it's, it's the, it, we're already, we're already there. We, we're accepted Christ, but the not yet. What's going to be revealed when, when he returns? Man, a breaking down of all barriers is going to be there. But in the meantime, we continue to live as God has created, Right? We continue to live as God has created the, the very laws. I mean, gravity still exists, and, and, and also the laws of, of gender still exist. The final point I, I believe Paul makes is going to be so important for us. I think it joins with the first point. Uh, it is, and, and, and I put it this way, we must appreciate the nature of things created. We need to appreciate how God has put things into order and not, not turn against those things. Not to reject those things. Paul, in, in these verses, verses, beginning verse 13, he says, Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Again, he, he, he answers, you know, he just mentions, Hey, man, you have the authority. And now judge for yourselves. Judge for yourselves. And then he says, Does not the very nature of things teach you that a man has long hair? If a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him. But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. 
Now, this is rough because, uh, man, have you seen pictures of Jesus? I mean, the real, actual snapshots of Jesus? No. Uh, predominantly, you think, hey, these guys walked around with long hair. And I, and I think they did. And so is the issue, man, guys with long hair, boy, that's a disgrace. I, I do believe in this time, women just did not, the longer the hair, the more glory. That was the kind of idea. And to fix it up and to shape it and make it beautiful, that was their glory. So I think in this verse, Paul is talking about that length of hair. And even guys' hair might have been longer, uh, but, but not like a woman's. Matter of fact, the, even you think about the Nazarite vow, which is within Scripture. But in the order of things, as God created, he's talking about hair, but the dis, he's, he's talking about the distinction. Male and female. Male and female. And I think it's important. I don't think, I, I just don't know where, where you are right now with our society, which is so lost. Can I put it that way? So scrambled and so I feel bad for our, especially our younger people, so confused. There's, there's no identity of he and she. Matter of fact, that's even insulting anymore to use a pronoun, he and she. I, I think it's important that we, we just state the position of the church. What's the position of the church? God created. <laughs> men be men. Right? Women be women. And along with that, celebrate it. Right? Appreciate it. Love it. Love, love what God has created. Be thankful for it. See, I, I think overall this was really the foundation of what Paul was saying. See, man, to, to remove that in, in society, in, in this culture, to, to remove that and boldly do it without... You're, you're breaking down that, you're blurring the lines. Is that what we're familiar with? We're blurring the lines. We, men, we identify with God. And we praise God for who we are. Women, we identify with God. And we praise, and, and man, the, there is absolute unity in Christ, but there's still an appreciation for how God created us. And we want to change that. And, and anything that, that he speaks about Christ Oh, man, we love that as well. But keep your identities and appreciate those identities. See, I, I do believe that what Paul is saying and within this passage has everything to do with loving God, appreciating God. This is the way you created. This is the way we love it. And, and we will never change that. The very foundation of the church is the way God created it. The way we're going to celebrate it. And the way we, we even need to approach those who are confused. How, how, do we, how do we teach contrary to what society is saying all around us? How do, how do we approach that? You don't do it by anger and you don't do it by taking them by the throat and shaking them. I, I think they need to know who God is. I think they need to know the order of things that God created. And, and so we have that opportunity. And it is found in those two things, I said simply, of what makes things appropriate <laughs> for us. It's the pursuit of loving God and loving others. We all agree on that, right? Loving God, loving others.
It's not, again, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about, because I think that's where, when we begin to, to live according to what I want or what others want, or if we're going to find and pursue peace some other way, that we're just going to correct everything, and, and we ignore God, we're going to be in the same predicament that our world is in right now. So confused, so lost. They need direction. And I will always believe it's going to be according to his word, working within his church. That's going to show and reveal truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, that, that your word is truth to us. In a world that gets so confused and has so many different distinctions when it really is simple. Lord, we, we don't want to be angry. We, we don't want to be, uh, uh, Lord, in, in that perspective of fighting battles, but that's what it is. But it's going to have to be approached in that sense of loving these people and, and desiring for truth to be seen. Lord, help us as a church, Lord, to hold to the truths of Scripture. Uh, one of the truths is, Lord, you have created, you have designed and we have that great opportunity in this life to appreciate and to love what you've done. And so, Lord, we praise uh, our, our men, the fact that we're men and that you create us that way and, and that our ladies are, are as they are created. And we pray, Lord, to always appreciate and, and, and to just praise and, and thank you for the way things are. We ask also, Lord, that you guide us into living a life that is honoring of you in all things and looking to be honoring and respectful of others. God, you're good to us, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.